Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. A pastor says what simply started as a prayer on his porch has turned into a move of God that has seen over a thousand people baptized since the end of December. We're joined today by Pastor Robbie Gallaty of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Tennessee. He'll share with us today how this all started. He'll also share with us his path into ministry, and it's an interesting one. You're going to want to stay tuned and listen to that today on Connections. We're joined today by Robbie Gallaty. He is the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up in ministry. Uh, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> I was actually raised, uh, the short version of it is I was raised Roman Catholic. I uh, got a scholarship to play basketball at a Southern Baptist college called William Carey. Uh, I went there within one year, I'd quit the basketball team, but I'd heard the gospel. Uh, I would reject the gospel, got out of college. Uh, in 98, I started uh, a computer company and that went belly up. So I decided I wanted to do nothing in the business world. I began training MMA fighting, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was a bouncer and a bartender downtown New Orleans in the middle of Mardi Gras. So you can imagine that season. And uh, I was coming home from work and um, 18-wheeler rear-ended me at 65 miles an hour, slammed my car in the guardrail, 22 years old. I went to the doctor. Uh, they sent me home with Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet. And uh, you guys know the story. Within a few months, I'm addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, I don't want to make money. I don't want to. I can't make money. I can't uh, be successful. I can't party. I just want to get high. And um, over the course of the next three years, I have a drug addiction that moves from pharmaceutical drugs to street drugs. Take the business knowledge from the world I had. I brought it into the drug world and started dealing drugs, heroin, cocaine, special K, marijuana, uh, for about three years uh, of that time, most of it was, by the world standards, was pretty successful. But as with any drug addiction, uh, it always takes you further than you want to go, keeps you there longer than you want to stay, and always costs you more than you want to pay. And I uh, went to two rehab treatments, had a $200 a day heroin and cocaine addiction, lost eight friends through this season. And then finally, November, 22, November 12, 2002, I'm in my room. And I remembered what someone told me in college seven years before, and I was desperate. And I thought, you know what? I might as well just try Jesus. What else do I have to lose? And uh, in my room, I had a radical Paul-like 24-hour experience with Christ. The same day, Tom, uh, Mike, uh, they, they called me. The same day I got saved, I knew I was going into ministry. I just knew it. And uh, it doesn't always happen that way, but it happened for me. And uh, that was 18 years ago. And I uh, had the privilege uh, six months later to be discipled by a man named David Platt. If you've heard of David Platt, uh, author of Radical. And, yeah. Uh, discipled me for two years, encouraged me to go to seminary. And uh, the Lord just began to work from there. So just a crazy God story. I love it. And like, yeah, like you didn't know you have a PhD. Like you didn't just go to Bible college for a year or two, right? Like you kept going. <laughs> uh, eight years straight, man. I still don't know how I did that. I went to school. I didn't even know English. And by the time I finished, I was studying Greek. And Hebrew. <laughs> I love that. I also went to a Baptist school named after William Carey, but up in Canada instead. So there we go. Wow. Uh, your church, it's had an amazing move of God, and we're going to talk about that today. But maybe tell us a little bit about Long Hollow, first of all, the church just in general, how you ended up there and, and what that church is like. Yeah, I'm at an amazing church. Uh, it hasn't always been easy. 
Uh, in fact, the first year or two here was the hardest transition of my entire ministry. I followed a beloved pastor. The pastor was here for 18 years, grew the church from about 280 to 7,000 in 18 years in the middle of a community farm kind of community. It's a God thing. And uh, at the height of the ministry at 51, he dies of cancer right before the congregation. They watch him slowly uh, degrade right before their eyes and he passes away. And so I followed a pastor who was a beloved and I followed a pastor at the height of the ministry. And you can imagine the challenges that came along with that, many of which I was unprepared for. And so the people processed grief here, uh, many of them with anger. They just didn't know how to process grief. And so I had two anonymous email accounts started against me day one. You know, these are guys with the gift of constructive criticism, as they told me. And we're going to help you pastor this church, Pastor. You're young yeah. and we're not. And so uh, I had a local principal blogging against me. I had people leaving the church. And so I say all that to say the first two years, Colleen, were really tough, which makes this season that much sweeter. And so we weathered those storms. And obviously, the Lord had to do a deep work in my own life of pulling back pride and arrogance and sin in my own life and just issues I didn't even know I had to get to where we are today. So I say all that to say it wasn't always easy when I got here. How did you manage to get through that difficult season? Yeah, I have an amazing wife. My wife, Candy, is an amazing wife. And uh, at many times, she was probably one of the only cheerleaders <laughs> supporting me at one time. But, um, you know, I, I knew the Lord had called us here, not to get too mystical, but I came here on a dream. Uh, I left an amazing church in Chattanooga. God was blessing my family. My parents lived next door. My sister lived around the corner. They moved there. My aunt and uncle were moving there. Church was great, growing. And uh, in the middle of the night, I had a dream that I was going to be the pastor of Long Hollow. And uh, I'm just telling and the and the dream was when Pastor David was still alive, which made it that crazier. And so to think about how the Lord used that dream, and it was clear as day, and I knew it was me and but it was crazy because he was still alive. But when he passed, God started to work. And you just think of the chances of a church three times the size of my church presently when I was there to one, find me and two, call me. And you guys heard my resume. It's not actually the resume of a guy you're looking for <laughs> yeah. to come in to pastor your church, right? So, but the Lord was in it. So yeah, I knew I was called. And I tell young ministers this. Your calling to your church has to be as strong as your calling to ministry because you're not climbing a spiritual ladder. You're not going up the success chart. You, you, times are going to be tough, and we all know this. And so you need to know without a shadow of a doubt, it was God who called you there. So uh, we covered your church last week up here in Canada. A couple of our websites wrote a story that we saw other people sharing about uh, amazing revival happening at Long Hollow Church right now. Uh, and maybe at first glance, like you see the headlines, what's going on. It's like, oh, that's crazy. Like, wow, God just moved. But sounds like it also came out of a tough season. Can you tell us what last year was like before this revival started breaking out? Yeah, Mike, that's a great question. You know, and I, and I would say people listening like I used to be, uh, if I would hear it uh, like you are, I would be very skeptical of what I'm reading about because I used to be that way. Man, is, is a thousand, over a thousand Baptists, really? I'm very skeptical of that. They must be priming the pomp. Or, and I, I'm telling you, I get the skepticism because I was there. 
when COVID started, just a snippet of what happened when COVID started in 2010, I mean, 2020, I actually had lost in 2019, uh, a really good friend for, from suicide. And he had a ministry for depression, anxiety, and suicide, which is really interesting. He commits suicide. I was like a big brother to him. Then in May of that next year, 2020, I lost another friend from suicide. And if I mention the names, you may know them. Um, And the Lord just showed me none of these guys started out in ministry to have an end this way. None of them. And the last person to say they're ready to throw in the towel and, and call it quits is you. You know, I'm not stressed. What are you talking about? I'm fine. And then you, you have a moral failure, a financial issue, or you burn out. And so the Lord brought me into a season, Mike, of silence and solitude. Uh, I'm a type A, high D, Enneagram three type of personality. So I'm, you know, if it's up to me, it's meant to be, it's up to me. And so I'm going to make it happen. And so sitting and, and I'm ADHD, as you can tell, I'm sitting in silence. That's like antithetical to everything uh, I'm used to by human nature, but I knew I needed to slow down. And what I had to do is get out of this reciprocity mindset of God, I do this, you do this. Cause most spiritual disciplines are, I study the Bible. You give me a word. I give, you give back to me. I go on missions. You, you, you see silence and solitude is very different. And it's more of just being with God. I remember early on, Colleen, I was sitting with the Lord and uh, I was out there for like an hour and a half. And as I was walking in the front door of my home, I'm like, God, really? What was that? I didn't get anything. And I felt like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and say, no, you didn't get anything. You got everything because you got me and I got you. And that changed it for me. So for, for 10 months, I sat out in the porch. I thought I was out there to have God fix the problems in my church, in our community, in our staff, in our deacon body. And about two months into it, uh, Mike, the Lord showed me the problem's not with your church or your staff. The problem is you. You're the problem. You're arrogant. You're prideful. You're jealous. And that's a hard pill to swallow, if you can imagine. Did yeah, you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not very good at first. I have to be honest with you, but you know, <laughs> if you've ever gotten it for those listening, if you've ever gotten gut level honest like that with the Lord, you know, one thing about the Holy spirit, he always tells the truth and he's able to put his finger on the, on the pulse of the problem of your life. If you ask him, I just don't think many people are courageous enough to ask him or even open. But at this point I was just done. I was done with going through the motions. I was done with pastoring a church that was, kind of business as usual. I was done with not seeing people respond and be saved. And so I basically went to the porch and said this. I said, God, I'm not going to move until you move. And here's the line I want you to get if you're listening. Every great movement of God begins by not moving. Who is willing to sit with the Lord and not move until he moves? And so for me, it was 10 months. I'm, I'm preaching on Pentecost this Sunday. They waited for 10 days, and those 10 days were long. But the question is, who's willing to wait for 10 hours on the Lord? Oh, or better yet, 10 minutes. I was going to say 10 minutes of silence waiting on God to respond. Yeah, Mike, long. Come on. <laughs> so I waited 10 months, okay? I'm sitting on the porch, and uh, December 15th, 2020, clear as day, I hear these words, spontaneous baptism. 
People say, how do you know it's the voice of God and not yourself? Well, I would have never come up with that. I promise you. I'd never done spontaneous baptism. I'd never seen spontaneous baptism. I've heard of abuses of spontaneous baptism, but I knew it was the Lord. And so we went out and got every pair of shorts and shirts we could find in winter in winter. Now this is the week before Christmas Eve guys in winter, which was a miracle in itself. And then on December 20th, I got up and I said to the church and it was the lowest attended Sunday ever since I'd been here for five years, Tennessee, the state I'm in was leading the country in COVID cases. We had told the church folk to stay home. We told them if they come to wear a mask, which many weren't going to do. And so we stacked the wood with water, just like Elijah, put a little more water on. We're almost there. And God said, all right, I'm going to work. And I said, church, you're not prepared to be baptized today, but we are. If your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation, if you haven't followed through with believer's baptism after being saved, or maybe you were sprinkled as a child like me, as a Roman Catholic or a Lutheran or Methodist, Methodist, I want to baptize you. I walk over to the tank and people start to move. Not at first, but they start to move. After the first service, we baptized 25 people. I was blown away. I'm like, what what just happened here? At the end of the day, Mike, we baptized 99 people in one day. The second service lasted two hours of just (laughs) baptizing people. Then I felt like God wasn't done. I said, guys, I think God wants to do more. And on the porch that night, I was sitting with the Lord. Here's what I heard from the Lord. This is the heavy raindrops that are coming before the torrential downpour. That's the, that's the kind of the vision I saw. You know, if you stand out in the rain and those heavy drops come, it's like, man, something, the bottom's going to fall out. And so I called the church staff. It was two days before Christmas Eve. And I said, let's open the church for a baptism only service. They thought I was crazy. Baptism only. No preaching, no planning, no programming. Two days before Christmas Eve. Think about this. 81 people drove in from all over the city, all over the state to be baptized. And here's the common theme. And this is why I I really believe with all my heart, this is a genuine outpouring of God. A a sermon series couldn't plan this. uh, An outreach event couldn't plan this. Here's why I believe it. Every person that's come. And since then, we've baptized people from 15 different states in 17 weeks, 15 states. And I've never told one person to board a plane, although we baptized two from Maine, Maine, which is, (laughs) but here's it close to you guys. But here's the thing. Every person, and here's why I believe it's of God. Every person said, when I asked them, why are you here? They said, the Holy Spirit of God drew us here. We had to come. We were compelled to come. Like, what's going on? Like, you baptized a thou- over a thousand people now since that first Sunday, December 20th. Why is this such an important thing that God is doing, do you think? Yeah, actually, yesterday, we just baptized the 1,093rd person. So we're almost wow. at 1,100 now. I mean, just, I mean, last night was a prayer meeting. I'll give you a perfect example. We, we have a prayer meeting. There's no baptism plan. There's no baptism. But people see the baptistry, and they feel compelled. So, Mike, we baptized three people during the prayer meeting. And then after it's over, I mean, I'm talking like 20 minutes after it's over, three more people feel compelled and they come tell us, hey, I know you, Pastor, I know you want to go home because it's, you know, 815. Can you baptize us now? I said, really? We feel like our baptism is not on the right side of our salvation. And the Holy Spirit is compelling us to do it. So here's what I would say. Here's what's happening. Two and a half years ago, I realized that my church was a church that prayed, but not a praying church. 
And I realized that God in the supernatural realm works in response to his people praying in the visible natural realm. So here's what we did. We set up a 24 seven prayer ministry two and a half years ago where we went online with our, uh, with our uh, technology and we had time slots where people could pray. This is cool. Colleen around the clock. They pick 168 time slots and they pick around the clock. Now, 150, 152, we got up to rather quickly. Nobody wanted that 2 a.m. Tuesday time, and I get it. (laughs) I get that, okay? But eventually, by God's grace, our people started to pray. And so we started that prayer ministry. Now all 168 hours are covered with multiple people praying at the same time. In addition to that, and here's another key point, I set up a prayer band. I found the intercessory prayer men and women in my church. Everybody has them. Every ministry has them. These are people who not just show up for the prayer meeting. Get this. These are people who talk to God and hear from God. And they love to pray. And so what they do is at 7.30 a.m., this is every Sunday, I come, they get here at 7.30 on Sunday. They pray in a room on their faces till 8.15 I walk into the prayer meeting. They pray over me for 20 minutes. They all get around me in a concerted effort, and we could sense the Lord's presence palpably. I then leave there, and then they stay in that room. Watch this, Mike. From 8.30, they pray before the 9 o'clock, I mean, 7.30. They pray from 7.30 before the 8 o'clock service, through the 8 o'clock service, through the invitation, and they tag off. Another group prays before the 9.30 service, through the 9.30 service, and then invitation and tag off. Another group prays from the 11 o'clock service and they tag off. And I'm telling you, this is the secret that makes all the difference. We have people the entire time I'm preaching, the entire time I'm offering an invitation, the entire time I'm asking people to respond, praying for God to move. Love it. Going back in time, would you have ever expected to be a witness of all of this and to see this all happen and all of this change? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, I have a regular rhythm with the Lord every night. Last night I was with the Lord. Uh, and I would just say, if you don't have that regular r- rhythm of spending time with the Lord, the Bible is clear, Colleen. He doesn't say those who work for the Lord will renew their strength and mount up on eagle's wings. He doesn't say those who strive for the Lord will renew their strength. It says those who wait upon the Lord, which is really the upside down kingdom, because we think strength comes from working. But in the kingdom of God, strength comes from waiting. And I just wonder, if you're listening, who is willing to wait upon the Lord and have that rhythm of doing it? So last night, like every night, I'm sitting with the Lord. And to answer your question, I've never seen anything like this, I'm telling you. And it's, it, 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 I, I pinch myself and think, did, are we, did we really just baptize 201 people on Easter weekend? Spontaneously, 201 people just drawn to the tank. And here's what I want you to get. And, and I want people to get this is that I want you to hear what's happening here and not think like I've thought wrongly for years. Oh, that's a revival in the past. That's Moody or Finney or Spurgeon. That's not me. I'm here to tell you if God can use a former casual Roman Catholic, lost atheist, drug dealing, drug addict, born again, pastor in middle Tennessee, and pour out his spirit in a way that he's pouring out, I want you to believe again. I want you to believe and and press into God 
that God can actually do this in your church today. And my prayer from the beginning, I'll show you my first journal entry, Mike. It was all, it was this, God, may this move of your spirit not stay here. May it be a ripple effect that ripples across the world and our country for Jesus. And that's been my prayer. I want to uh, just go live and let you talk for two or three hours straight, <laughs> but we better not. <laughs> We're running out of time, <laughs> but I could talk to you forever. Um, yeah. Maybe just closing words to, to people that, you know, they've been maybe worn out with COVID going on. It's bad in Canada right now, lots of restrictions and stuff. Still people have had enough, right. And, uh, maybe people upset with their pastors about decisions pastors are making with churches or whatever's going on. Like, what do you say to people out there right now, weary and worn out? Yeah, that's a great question for all of us. And here's the answer, I think. And there's a couple of things I could say, but there was a season here when the people at Long Hollow did not like their pastor. And someone came up to me, these two ladies, instead of leaving, decided to pray. And here's what they told me. They said, if you don't like the present pastor you have, Pray for the one you have for God to give you a new one. And what they meant was, if you don't like the one you have, pray that God changes his heart. And so these women began to pray for God to change my heart, pour out his spirit, and make me sensitive to him. Now, little did I know it was going to be a breaking process where, you know, breaking me on the porch and pulling back layers of pride and arrogance. And so what I would say to you is, every person can pray. You know, the old adage, don't just do something, don't just stand there, pray, right? Pray, we can all pray. And so I would say pray. The second thing I want you to realize is this, if you're in ministry or a leader in your church or in ministry of any kind, here's a line I've used with our staff. Early on, the Lord showed me a river will never rise higher than its source. A river will never rise higher than its source. So if you're the source of your church as a pastor minister, if you're the source of your nonprofit, if you're the source of your radio program or podcast, if you're the source of your home, father, mother, the spirituality level of the people below you will never rise higher than you. And so if you want people to press into God, you press into God. If you want your children to pray, you pray. If you want your people to seek God, then you need to be leading the charge in that. And so I would just challenge you. I think our country and our world right now is ripe for revival more so than any time before. And I think that's what's happening, Mike. I think people are realizing that, and I, and, and I've baptized a lot of people and heard a lot of stories. Here's what I found out. Many people for years have had an intellectual knowledge-based faith. They could check all the boxes. They can fill in all the blanks like the Pharisees. But for the first time, as God has poured out his spirit, they have encountered the risen Christ. And they realize the Lord is real and he is present and he is still working today. And so I would just challenge you, press into that present God and believe God for big things. In fact, I'll ask you as we close, what are you believing God for right now? And I'm talking believing God for, that if he doesn't answer, you're wrecked. Hmm. I'd ask Mike and Colleen that. What are you believing God for? That if he doesn't step in, you are toast. If we don't do that, and we're not praying big prayers, and I think we're missing out. Love it. Thank you so much, Pastor Robbie. I, like we said, we could talk to you forever, and I think we'll be in touch again, hopefully. So... Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.